Today on the No City on the Sideline Dad Podcast, episode number 91, where we're getting close to 100. It's all about stress and how we deal with it. Next on the podcast, let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, my name is Joe Foley, and I really, I really want to thank you, me and you, for being here. I know as a dad and a parent, our time's limited. I mean, Oh, well, actually, no, our time is unlimited. We're kind of like right now during <laughs> the recording. That time of year, we're home a lot together. So I think spending time together is important. But if you're, you're taking time to listen to the podcast, hey, I really do appreciate it. And if it's your first time, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. This episode is all about dealing with stress. We all deal with it. And the stress of being, parent, of being a parent. I mean, I you know, it's nice that... Um, we have two parents. It's nice. You can play. If you have one kid, you're playing like, you know, half court. You know, you take one side of the court, take the other side of the court, and you play in the middle. Um, you get kind of tag team. What do you have? But being a parent can be stressful. Dr. Marvin Marshall is my guest today, and he shares ideas about dealing with stress of being a parent and how to deal with the emotions and st- during stressful times. Well, <laughs> he shares a lot of really interesting stories. We talk about power of choice. And never assuming anything. That's one thing that's interesting to me is uh, assuming things. You kind of make a you know make yourself feel kind of stupid when you realize you were wrong. Then not asking the right questions, or assuming something that's not that is not correct. Doctor Marvin Marshall has a lot of great ideas and stories. So let's jump right into the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Doctor Marvin Marshall. It's my pleasure, Joe. Thank you for inviting me. I one question to start off, and I was reading some of the stuff you sent me and some of the notes, and and one that really stood out to me, and I kind of like this is a quote from you. I think since we have the power to change our thinking, we also have the ability to alter our emotions. What does that What does that mean to you? What is that? I understand what it means, but what it means to you? It's a mind body connection. The way the mind body works is as follows. Things come into our brain, our mind, so to speak, through our thoughts. They also come in through our senses, what we touch, what we hear, what we smell. So, for example, you uh, listen to music that comes into your mind, your, your brain, and it prompts an emotion. You see something beautiful, it prompts an emotion. Someone insults you, it prompts an emotion. Former ones are positive and negative. The latter one is negative. The way the mind-body connection works is first comes information into the brain. It is immediately followed by an emotion. By way of an example, again, if I compliment you, that's cognition. That's something that came into your brain and it prompts a, a good feeling. If I tell you to do something or use any kind of coercion, it first goes into your brain prompted by an emotion. Now, there, there is a way to manage emotions. There are, there are really two ways. Number one is you can not stop an emotion, but you can redirect it. And the way you can redirect it is by changing your thinking. The reason for this is the emotion always follows cognition, as I'm emphasizing. So if you change 
what you're thinking about, the emotion immediately follows. Another way to do it is on my website, withoutstress.com, and it's called impulse management. So, for example, let's assume you are in traffic and you're going to be late for an appointment, and the self-talk comes up something like, this traffic is making me so angry. (laughs) The fact is the traffic doesn't care. You are allowing yourself to get angry. So what you can do is you have a little impulse control thinking. And again, this is on my website, withoutstress.com. What happens is you, you feel this road rage, so to speak, like you're going to be late or if somebody cuts in front of you. First comes the emotion. And so you stop and you take a gasp of breath. It's like a yawn. You can't not yawn with a closed mouth. At the base of your jaw bones are the trigeminal nerves, and these are the nerves that sends the emotion throughout your body. Just by taking a deep gasp of breath, you release the, the, tri, the message of the trigeminal nerves. So you take a deep gasp of breath, and then you have for a moment a choice. You can think of what you're going to do this weekend. You can think of the television program you're looking forward to watching. You can think of something. And in that moment, but when you're thinking, you can choose to stop that emotion. So if you think of a, a traffic jam, at the red is on top, you stop, take a, a deep gas, that's the yellow, and then green, you go with your best choice. I think I'll uh, turn the radio on to see what the news is. I had an interesting question. I mean, I'm a choice. Choice is something that's very important. And I know you, I've heard you mentioned that before. How important is choice? It's very important because the fact of life is choice ends when life ends. We are making choices all the time. The trick is to make a mindset that you realize you are making a choice. For example, both of us made a choice now for what we're talking about. Again, I want to emphasize we're always making choices. If you get up out of bed in the morning, you've made a choice. But most of this is so involuntary, non-conscious, so to speak, that we don't even think about it. Once you are aware that everything you do is a choice, you literally are freed up. You never have to feel you're a victim because regardless of, for example, the situation you cannot change, the impulse that you get or the stimulation, you always have the choice of how you want to respond Because you can always respond, you always have a choice. You never have to be a victim in any situation. And basically, it requires, that is what I do, I use three principles. Number one, positivity. Number two, choice. And number three, reflection. Very quickly. If something, by way of of example, your supervisor says to you in the morning, stop by my office, I'd like to talk to you before you leave today. Now, in a seminar, I'll ask people, how many people think that the discussion is going to be a negative one? 90% of the hands go up. It's an assumption. The biggest mistake people make is assuming things that are not correct. So, for example, it happens that your supervisor has a nice compliment for you. But in the meantime, from 9 o'clock in the morning when he told you to stop by his office before leaving, you were, had an anxiety, so to speak, for about five hours or so. So never assume the, the biggest mistake people make. 
Can I tell you a quick story? Yeah, go ahead. Because I'm very interested in assuming because I do it a lot myself. Assuming things. <laughs> on a river cruise, one of the nice things about a river cruise is you get to meet different people for the three different meals. On the couple that we walk, talk to most often, most often at my most recent river cruise, were from Perth, Australia. Roy Harrington owns fisheries, sardine fisheries, and salmon fisheries. My wife loved the experience she had when she went fishing with my father. And she started to tell Roy the story of how she went fishing. And she was about three minutes into the story. And Roy stopped her and said, Evelyn, I need to tell you that I don't fish. (laughs) Now, he owns fishing facilities, as I mentioned, sardines and salmon, but he doesn't fish. It's a natural assumption to assume only fisheries he fishes. He's in the fishing business, but he doesn't fish. But <laughs> most problems people have and most anxiety that they develop is because of wrong assumptions. I never assume I listen, but I don't assume a person's motivation. But just some of those words that it just, I mean, I've fallen trapped to that many a times. And like you said, the person with a compliment with the uh, boss wants to talk to me the other day. And me, I would be stressed out. I would be stressed to the max. I'm like, what did I do? How would it happen? <laughs> so the first approach is positive. The first principle I practice is positivity. I don't know what he's going to talk about. So why be anxious? I just won't think about it. But if I do, I will say, okay, I, I get an opportunity to talk to my supervisor rather than I have to talk to my supervisor. That one word, get or have, can totally change your emotion. How powerful to you? How powerful is positivity? Because that that can be very powerful. Positive thinking, like I'm, I'm wake up in the morning, I'm gonna have a bad day. I'm gonna have a real bad day. I think it's gonna go to you know go to go to go to hell. Sorry, <laughs> that word, but go to go to crap. And if the positivity, you're like, oh, I've had a great day. I'm gonna rock it, and all of a sudden, you just have a great day. Positivity is so powerful. Right. There's there is no doubt about it. And the thing to to keep in mind is you're making a choice. You're choosing to accept something as positive or choosing to accept something as negative. I, I almost feel to, to be happy that happiness is almost a moral obligation because if, if you're pouting and, and, and if you're thinking negatively, chances are that's how you're communicating your thoughts to other people. It's so easy once you realize that you have the power to choose to think of whatever the situation is as a possibly positive experience. But we have this natural tendency to go to the negative, and that's a choice. It, it's, it's an end, like you said before, about choosing your words, too, how that can change how you're feeling and what you're thinking. That's very interesting, too. Another thing I would think I'd like to talk about is um, we talk about improving relationships. Relationships are important, are important with um, and how to deal with people, deal with people, something that I would be interested in. Well, here's a little trick that uh, my wife and I use for your information Probably older than you think I am. My wife and I have been married for 16 years and we're still in love. Oh, congratulations. So here's what we do. Thank you. If you, no, number one, I know I, I cannot change her. And she, she can't change me. I can influence her, however. And so two points. Number one, I try to understand her thinking. We both belong to two different political parties. So but I'll listen to her to understand her thinking. By listening to her, I can then ask her a reflective question, which can influence her to change her thinking. The second thing is a simple Venn diagram of two interlocking circles called, I call it solving circles. 
So rather than person, the way the usual argument goes, you got to do this and I got to do this. Instead, the center circle of the Venn diagram, I aim for clarity. And so what I'll do is I'll aim to ask her questions which will clarify her thinking. The usual approach is, what, for example, Evelyn and Marv. Evelyn says to, to me, this is what you've got to do. And I say to my wife, this is what you've got to do. It doesn't, that, that's coercive. It doesn't work. You know, nobody likes to be told what to do. No. Instead, you go to solving circle and you say, okay, here's the problem. This is what I'll be willing to do to solve the problem. And it's amazing because it's non-coercive. When I say, okay, Ev, this is what I'll be willing to do, it automatically pulls Evelyn into the same idea. Okay, Marv, if you're willing to do this, this is what I'm willing to do. Let me tell you a quick story about in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where Benjamin Franklin had his printing press. There's a diorama of Benjamin Franklin leaning over talking to King George III right after the passage of the Stamp Act. And Franklin says to the king, You cannot coerce people into changing their mind. (laughs) Everything I do to motivate people is a non-coercive approach. Even my worldwide discipline program used around the world, the Raise Responsibility System, is a a totally non-coercive discipline program. I have kids want to be responsible because they want to, not because I tell them. How does that, give me an example how that would work, because I'm very curious. Well, the very first thing that I I show and I I suggest teachers and parents do is go to levels of development. If you went to any uh, search engine and typed in levels of development and then go to the image, you will see four levels of development. The bottom two, anarchy and bullying are unacceptable behaviors. The top two are motivation. The C is external motivation, and D is democracy is internal motivation. Can I tell you a quick story? That oh, I yeah, yeah, absolutely. A woman called me and said, Marv, this feeling came over me so much that I felt I had to, to call you. What happened is she left the market, and she got to her car, and she had a lime in her hand. She forgot to pay for it. No way did she want to go back, but she knew the levels of development. That level D is doing the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do. She walked back to the nearest cashier who thanked her. And she said to me, I cannot tell you the feeling of pleasure that I received from doing the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do. Most people and live on external motivation. We conform, we cooperate. We have a civil society we need to cooperate, but you'll never get that satisfaction from level C of the levels of development that you will get from level D, doing the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do. The difference between the C and D is not in the behavior, it's in the motivation. So, for example, if a, a parent asks a youngster to make the bed before he goes to, to school and does, the kid has done exactly what he should do. It's a responsible thing to do. He conformed to the parent's request. But if the teacher knows the expectations of the home and makes the bed without being asked by the parent, the bed is made. The behavior level C and D is exactly the same. The difference is in the motivation. The more often you do things because it's the right thing to do, the more satisfying you will live and the more happy you will be. 
it's important and show the, the kids that, that that way of doing things. But how how can you teach a young kid like that, though? Can you give me an example? I have a six-year-old son. How can I start teaching him now? First thing to do, could go to any search engine and search levels of development, mm-hmm. levels of development, and then you click on the image. Mm-hmm. Rather than the, the text, click on the image. You will see four levels of development come up within the first five images. Now, you can, if you want, you can make your own image of that. You can download it. Or if you went to my website, withoutstress.com, and uh, click on levels of development, there are a bunch of examples that you can download. It's visual. People act on the visuals, unfortunately, more than they do on their, on their, their hearing. So if you have the visual, here's how the system works. The kid does something which is not responsible, and you simply ask. You don't tell. You simply ask, on what level of behavior did you choose? Now, because you're asking a question, and by the way, let me go on a tangent for a moment. Remember, is the person who asks the question controls the conversation. So if a kid asks you something, you turn around and ask the youngster. So I'll say, what level are you choosing to act on? Now, what's happening is I'm not criticizing kids' behavior because a youngster, really anyone, will always defend their behavior. So I go totally around the behavior. I separate the act from the actor. I am asking a question for the kid to identify because it's totally non-coercive. The kid doesn't have to defend. He's simply reflecting on a question that I ask. And more often than not, he'll list one of the non-responsible behaviors, A or B. By the way, here's a question a parent and really uh, any teacher can ask. If a kid is really upset, just ask, are you angry at me or the situation? Are you angry at me or the situation? What has occurred is you have prompted the kid to reflect and by reflecting because he's now thinking that emotion that he has goes down because he's now thinking. And again, the emotion follows the thinking and he's going to reflect. And most often than not, he'll say, or she will say something like, well, I guess I'm just frustrated and I'm taking it out on you, which is the reason why a teacher and a parent should never ever take anything that a kid does personally person is frustrated and angry, and by asking a simple question like, are you angry at me or the situation, you prompted the kid to reflect, and the kid will admit that he's just frustrated and taking it out on you. Where did you learn some of these techniques? Probably from my experiences. I've, I've been a teacher on all grade levels. I've been an elementary, middle, high school guidance counselor. I've been an elementary, middle, and high school principal. I had an opportunity to come back into the classroom after being in staff development and administration for 24 years. Came back into the classroom and I realized so many things we're doing are totally counterproductive. I'll give you a quick example. You walk into almost any classroom in the country and the first thing you'll see are rules. Well, what happens if a kid breaks a rule? The natural tendency, of course, is to enforce it. Without even realizing the teacher has changed his or her behavior from a facilitator of learning to a cop wearing a blue uniform and copper buttons, enforcing rules. There's a natural tendency the kid breaks a rule to want to enforce it. But rules are primarily either expectation, and that's on the ABCD levels of development, Mm -hmm. or they're procedures. 
most teachers have problems with discipline and behavior because they assume the youngsters know what to do without the teacher having first taught it. The very first thing any teacher should do on anything is to teach the procedure so the kid knows how to solve or do what the teacher wants them to do. And the teachers don't. They just assume the kid knows how to do it without teaching it. It's a major problem for not only parents, but the teachers also. That word assuming come, assume come in right there. Exactly. Right there. <laughs> it was you teach procedures. And then teach them. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense that because um, I, like I said, I have a six-year-old son. Go do this. And I realized he doesn't know how to do it. He's six. <laughs> He's six years old. I mean, I'm assuming because I'm an adult 44 and I know how to do it. He doesn't know how to do it. I, w- I want to give you a chance to anything you offer in your website, in your website and any cl- like classes or something like that or, or um, and advice, advisory, anything like that. Well, my first suggestion is to, to go to withoutstress.com. Withoutstress.com has all kinds of links on it for, for living without stress, for teaching without stress, for teaching, uh, for teaching and parenting without stress. There's a, a resource link that has all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, it's just a wealth of information. Yes, I have a store that I sell some stuff, but most of the stuff is really free. I have this passion for people to enjoy life as much as I do because of the positive orientation, the fact that I never have to be a victim because I can choose. And the way to improve people is to have them reflect because you can only change yourself. It always starts that way. Once you realize, you ask yourself the question, how can I influence someone? It will never be through coercion. And a simple example is we tell people, no one likes to be told. We like to tell people what to do, but nobody wants to be told what to do. Well, I guess I, when, they, when they get touched, like on I mean, your website, there's an email they can get touched with, or you're on social media? Yes, I do have social media, but most of the stuff is really on my website, and most of it's free. It's just, again, uh, withoutstress.com. I just have had a, a phenomenal fortune in life, and it's primarily because of uh, the choices that I have made. I'm always aware of making a choice. Thanks, Mara. Thank you much for being on the podcast. All the links will be in the show notes. I really do appreciate you being here, sir. Joe, it's been my pleasure. Well, wrapping up the episode, I want to thank Dr. Marvin Marshall for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about him over at withoutstress.com. You can find all the links in the show notes over at nosittingonthesideline.com dot com slash nine one hey get a second please reach out leave leave a comment or if you have a question or hey just want to say hello hey i'm out there leave a comment in the show notes wherever you are or go to the website to the no sitting on the sideline.com slash 91 i'd like to hear from you you can find all the social media contact me at no sitting on the sideline.com slash contact hey i got something really cool really cool and i did it the other day with an upcoming episode of the podcast we'll hear it soon from my my guest, Brian Penso. I did a, a live broadcast of the podcast. Hey, if you want to check it out, I'm not sure when the next one's going to be, but I'll schedule it soon. But you can go ahead and check out nocityonthesideline.com slash live. Well, thank you for listening. These podcasts will probably more frequent because I have a lot of guests that keep to catch up. But I really do appreciate you listening. So until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. I'll give you a significant other hug or just say hello to a friend. 
Because you know, you know that time, this time with all the virus and everything, people alone on home being quarantined, they like to hear a friendly voice. Until next time, take care. God bless. See ya.